a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are going to touch on 401ks versus IRAs. Do I need either of them? Joining me today is Adam Nugent. He is an accredited investment fiduciary and the founder of Foresight Wealth. I also have Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Adam, why do I need a retirement account? That's basically what a 401k or an IRA is, right? It's a retirement account. Why do I need one? So the 401k and IRA will fall underneath that retirement umbrella, if you will. 401k specifically is a company-sponsored retirement plan. An IRA stands for individual retirement account. And so an IRA is typically self-directed or working with a financial advisor. The 401k is, and it's a retirement benefit that's being offered by the company that you work for. Your question is, why do you need one? 401ks, retirement accounts are great vehicles to be able to defer, put money away for retirement, you know, way down the road. In the market we're in today, the economy we're in today, most companies will actually incentivize you, if you will, or contribute a match based upon how much money you put into it. And so there's, by contributing to a 401k with your employer, you many times will be getting additional dollars for putting money into it up to a certain percentage. So the 401k you said was through my employer. Correct. It's an employer-sponsored retirement plan. Okay. When should I start? taking money out of my paycheck to put into a 401k. Yeah. My belief for what we kind of advise our clients is as soon as you're eligible, because there's typically with a retirement plan, more often than not, there's an eligibility requirement. You have to work for the company for a certain amount of time. It can be as little as one month. Some of them have it immediately. The more common is six months or even a year until you're eligible for that. So we always advise, especially if there's a company match associated with it, that the minute you're eligible to contribute, you should start doing so and work in conjunction with your HR department in determining you know, how much to put away. And we always advise to try to put away as much as you possibly can in order to maximize the company match. And is an IRA, can that be set up through my work? Great question. So circumstances where there are employers, you know, where the employer sets up an IRA and can do a payroll deduction through if they don't have a company-sponsored plan, it's, it's not as common. It's, it's actually pretty uncommon, if you will. So IRAs, again, are typically individually directed. And so if your company doesn't have a retirement plan, you know, you might look to set up an IRA and then contribute monthly just, you know, as you get paid your wages, then you pick a dollar amount that, that feels, you know, comfortable to put away and you start doing it on a, on a systematic approach. Or what a lot of people do is they come to tax time and their CPA says, hey, you know, X amount of dollars, we advise you put away, you know, X amount of the retirement account. And that's when they set them up. It sounds like I could do both accounts, but is one better than the other? Yeah, I, I think, again, it depends on the situation. The advantage of a, the there's there's some pretty big differences between the two. The mainly between a company sponsor plan and an IRA is how much you can put away into it. So for example, for 401ks today, you can contribute up to $19,500 
either pre-tax or post-tax, whether it's a Roth option or a pre-tax option. And if you're over 50, you can put away an additional 6,500 for a total of $26,000 into an IRA, or excuse me, into a 401k. Into an IRA, you're capped at $6,000 if you're under the age of 50. And if you're over 50, you can put away another thousand, so $7,000. So if your intentions are to defer more than $7,000, ideally you'd want to tie in, hopefully have a 401k or a company retirement plan to be able to do so. And that's per year, is that correct? That's that's on an annual basis, correct. If I'm making maybe $40,000 a year and I have to choose between one or the other, should I look at how much I'm able to contribute each paycheck and kind of add that together and whatever that comes up to at the end of the year? If it's more than $6,000, I should actually put it into a 401k. But if it's less than, maybe I should put it in an IRA? If you have, again, in your example, someone's earning $40,000 from their company and their company offers a 401k, again, they most likely have a match that's associated with it. And so we always recommend to put money into a 401k where there's a match because they're leaving money on the table otherwise. So again, if I have a company with a 401k that's going to pay, let's say, a 3% or a 4% match versus me funding it on my own, I'm going to put the same dollar amount in either one of the vehicles, either an IRA or 401k. But by choosing the IRA, I'm going to miss out on a 3 or 4% pay raise, if you will, by not using the 401k. So we always recommend to maximize the amount that the company is willing to put in on your behalf. And Susan, do you know, are there any tax benefits or, or non-benefits to one account or the other? Well, it's kind of like, I don't say, you know, if we're donating to an IRA or a 401k, you, you, that's pre-tax right now. So that's deducted from your federal income, if you will, on your W-2. However, you're going to pay taxes on that when you start pulling it out. So you need to be aware of that. And that, that's another reason why it's so important. If, if your company offers a 401k with a match, take that match every time because that's, that's leaving money on the table and that money grows exponentially over time. So, so know that you're going to be paying income taxes when you pull the money out at the appropriate age, but you get that tax deferral currently right now when you put the money away. And that's helpful for some taxpayers. We need to take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to go a little bit further into what if I leave my job and need to roll over a 401k? How do I do that? So we'll be right back with Susan Spears. She is the CEO of UACPA and also Adam Nugent, who is an accredited investment fiduciary and the founder and CEO of Foresight Wealth. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about 401ks and IRAs. Should you invest in one? And it sounds like, yes, we should. 
And I also want to go into a few other things a little bit more in depth. Joining me today is Adam Nugent. He is an accredited investment fiduciary and the founder and CEO of Foresight Wealth, and also Susan Spears, who is the CEO of UACPA. All right, Adam, you told me that a 401k is through your work. Now, during the pandemic, a lot of people have changed jobs. So what happens if somebody switches companies and jobs? What happens to that 401k at the first place I was putting money into it? Yeah, great question. So you can consider 401ks and IRAs. I, I will sometimes if we were in my office, I'd be drawing a, an umbrella, if you will, on a whiteboard and saying, consider like a retirement umbrella. So you can move money from one 401k to another 401k or from a 401. Once you leave an employer sponsored plan, you can move those dollars tax free to an IRA to where you then can self-direct it or work with the financial advisor outside of your, your company. You've got that flexibility to do so once you leave an employer to go somewhere else. What many people will do is they'll sometimes if their new company offers a plan, they'll roll it there. Other times they want to self-direct it. It's it's each person decides once they kind of have the different options to choose from. Okay. You said that per year in a 401k, I can max out if I'm under 55 mm -hmm. at 19,500. What if I maxed that out and now I've changed and I want to put that money into an IRA. The IRA, you said the max was 6000 Can I put that whole 19500 into the IRA account? So, again, great question. So, you're between, so when you look at a 401k, just to answer the question specifically, you can put up to 19500 away as an employee, as what we would call a contribution. On top of that, again, the company will contribute money and there could be several thousand dollars above and beyond that that the company matches. The company match does not prohibit or change how much you can put away as as an employee. If I have already maxed out my 401k and I've put 19,500 away, let's say it's June and I change jobs or I decide I want to max out my IRA, you can't do both. So 195 is the limit whether I contribute it to my 401k or say $6,000 to my IRA and I could do 13,500 to my 401k, but the IRS limits how much you can't do. You can't max out an IRA and max out a 401k. They don't allow that. My question is, is if I'm going to transfer my 401k account into an IRA, can I not? Yeah, that doesn't, yeah you can contract, you can transfer as much as you want. You're, if your 401k balance is a million dollars, you could transfer it to an IRA. That When you're transferring it from that perspective, there's no limits of how much you can transfer. All right. I just want to clear that. But now, hey, you just got my mind going. So if I've maxed out my IRA, I'm gonna I'm closer to maxing out my IRA this year. If okay. I max it out, do I have to deduct that amount from the amount I'm putting into my 401k? Is that how I'm hearing you? Yeah. The IRS doesn't allow you to max out an IRA and a 401k in the same year. It's either or. So think of it this way. Again, my going back, as I said, an umbrella, retirement umbrella. Uh -huh. If you've got a 401k as an option, which would mean you'd also have an option as an IRA, the maximum you can put into that is 19500 knowing that maxing out 6000 on the IRA and the difference into the 401k. Okay, the government sucks. I'm sorry. Like, I'm trying <laughs> to put away as much money as I can so that when I retire, I have that money to me. What? What? Yes. Again, the reason is obviously the money that you're putting into that in specifically like into a traditional 401k, which is pre-tax, you're not paying taxes on those dollars that are going in. Now, the government's going to get their money at the end because when you pull money out, you'll be taxed on it. But they limit how much you can do because it, it limits how much taxable income is going to the government. So 
Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, Susan. I, I hear you. you. You know, get in line. And we, we'll, we'll start a petition and see if we can get anywhere yes, with it. Susan, you're on Capitol <laughs> Hill a lot, and so I am authorizing you to put in some type of bill to go, let's fix this. <laughs> so, Heather, I want to bring up one other thing. You know, we were talking about transferring monies from 401k to an IRA or, you know, as we do these transfers and something that we run into a lot as CPAs as we're working on um, tax returns and whatnot is, is a client will come in and say, hey, you know what? I changed jobs. I, I rolled my $50,000 that was in my 401k into an IRA. But what they do sometimes unknowingly is they'll get that check for $50,000 and then take that check to the bank, to their financial person, and deposit it into an IRA. You need to, the person, I cannot touch that money. So it needs to be a transfer from 401k to IRA or other retirement vehicle without cash touching my hands. Otherwise, the IRS looks at that as a distribution, and that will be taxed. And if you're under 50 and you cash that out, aren't there penalties attached to that as well? Then yeah. you get a nice little 20% penalty. So 59 and a half, it's interesting, just little nuances between the two. In a 401k, it's 55. Okay. And anything under 55, and then with an IRA, it's 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. No other age limits for those. So, what, Okay, what happens if I max both of them out in one year? Because the IRS isn't going to know until we go to file our taxes the next year, right? Yeah, I mean, again, that, that's a great question. I would call that a loaded question. I mean, is it is the IRS going to pick up on the fact that on your W-2, it's going to show that you put 19500 away and you're also showing a $6,000 IRA contribution? There's a good chance that it could go through the system and then it gets flagged. There's a chance that it doesn't. I mean, it's kind of hit and miss. That The, the law is what it is, but I mean, there's right. people that I know that that try to work around that all the time. But specifically, if, it, if, if they did notice it, then you would have to send money back. Mm-hmm. You, wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to count it so you would actually be taxed on those dollars. Let's take one more break. When we come back, we'll go into how do you choose who your financial advisor should be and what things you should be looking out for. So we'll be right back with Adam Nugent, the accredited investment fiduciary and founder and CEO of Foresight Wealth, and also Susan Spears, who is the CEO of Utah's Association of Certified Public Accountants. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. And today we're talking about 401k and IRA investments, but we're going a little bit deeper. What happens if you transfer some of your money from one account to another? Do you get taxed? What are penalties? Also, I want to touch on in this segment is what type of counselor should I be looking for to help me decide all of these things? So joining me is Susan Spears. She is the CEO of UACPA and also Adam Nugent, an accredited investment fiduciary, also the founder and CEO of Foresight Wealth. All right, Adam, I think this is next part is sort of your territory because your title is AIF and that's an accredited investment fiduciary. So what does that mean and why should I care? Yeah, you, great question. And the key thing is that, you know, your question is, why should you care is you really, when you're seeking out, you mentioned financial counselor, financial advisor, 
you want to work with a firm or an individual that that is a fiduciary. And what a fiduciary means is that they are acting in the best interest of their clients and that there's not a conflict of interest that's um, for recommending one thing over another. In, in the investment world, in the financial advisor world, oversimplifying it, you can have what's called a fiduciary. That And a fiduciary is a fee-based advisor. So, for example, oversimplifying it, if, if you're recommending to buy Apple stock over Microsoft or Home Depot over Lowe's, uh, a fiduciary is not getting paid any more money to recommend one thing over another. The intention is for the account to grow. And as the account grows, you know, everybody's on the same side of the table, if you will. That's a fiduciary perspective. The other side of the token are advisors that charge commissions that come from a suitability standpoint, meaning, you know, instead of it's in your best interest, they fit in a category, well, it's suitable, meaning as long as you fit within this range, uh, the analogy is if you're trying on shoes, if you're true, let's say your left foot is truly a 10 and your right foot happens to be a 10 and a half. Well, you could fit in an 11 pair of shoes and you're going to be okay. Or you could, you could cram one foot into the other. Whereas a fiduciary, it's like, no, we're going to put a size 10 on this foot and we're going to put a size 10 and a half on the other. In a suitability perspective or in a commission-based um, recommendation, you know, money that's going into it, the advisor that's recommending that's going to get paid money up front for recommending one thing over another. And so it's really commissions versus fees. So when we're talking about especially a huge amount of money, like if I had a 401k and I'm changing jobs, or maybe I'm retiring from that job, and so I won't be putting more money into the 401k. If I want to transfer all of that into an IRA, and I come to you and go, hey, like, you know, what's the best IRA fund available to me? And you may be getting a kickback if you recommend, hey, let's go over to this IRA account, but you don't tell me about it, but it sort of fits my needs. That would be commission-based? Commission-based, yeah. So there's there's different vehicles. The, the most common one that people invest in are called annuities, which are investments with insurance, retirement accounts with insurance companies. So many times when someone invests into those, the advisor recommending that gets paid a commission that can be as low as 1% to 2%, can be as high as 10% or more up front. And so regardless of what happens with the account, where in a fiduciary status and recommending it, you don't get paid anything up front. You kind of earn it as you go and your interests are aligned, um, where in recommending a commission, I'm going to get paid regardless of how, if I'm in that, if I'm wearing that hat, I'm going to get paid regardless of how well the account does on the changing the hat to a fiduciary. I only, I get paid based upon how the account does and where our interests are aligned. So it's just aligning interests with your clients. It's, it's, you're seeing the industry transition more and more to that, but it's still surprising how many people are doing transaction-based stuff and clients aren't even aware Right. of what they're doing. I know the Department of Labor is changing their regu some regulations where the advisors do have to sit in a, in a fiduciary spot to, to talk to people, but it doesn't take place or it doesn't kick in for another few months. Do you, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's really kind of what's in the best, they call it kind of the best interest contract. So you, again, any, you, know, any would hope this would be the case that the financial advisors is doing everything in the best interest of their clients and they're, they're coming at us specifically from a fee perspective. So many times in a corporate retirement plan, you know, there's there's fees that are disclosed. I mean, everything should be disclosed, but a lot of times people aren't aware of really what they're paying for. And so the intention is to make sure that if we're moving from a 401k to an IRA, from a corporate sponsored plan that now I'm working with a financial advisor, the Department of Labor is coming out with rules just to ensure that that transition is in the best interest of the client. So they're adding some safeguards in place and doing some things that I, I think the general thesis around it and the, is positive. I think 
there's been a lot of abuse that's happened to that. And most people don't understand it or get it. And so I think, you know, we're at our firm, we're huge advocates for education and teaching people. And under, and so they understand how all it works, what they're paying before, what they're going to pay now. And also when you move into a financial advisor role, you're also, there's other things that come into play. It's, it's financial planning, it's retirement planning, there's life planning. There's so much more that comes into it than just quote unquote managing the money. So you really want to look for somebody that's going to really offer all of that and and that has the services that really resonate with you. Susan, as an accountant, you would just look at all of my finances and try to figure out the best tax base or, you know, either try to keep me from paying, you know, as much taxes as maybe I should. But could you actually advise me in, as in a fiduciary in money managing? Not always. Because you have to be licensed. I mean, typically our financial advisors, they have a Series 6, Series 7 set of licenses. Some CPAs do get their their licenses where they can sell buy and, or, you know, buy and sell securities and whatnot for their clients. And they, you know, per our own ethics, they have to disclose that to their clients. They have to disclose any commissions that they're getting. Um, I, I know that, that many, you know, client walks in their office, tax returns, we look at that stuff, but we often work with the financial advisor because the financial advisor, they're, they live in that world. And so, and so we'll work with them all, often as we're tax planning, you know, because we're looking at not only the now in taxes, we're also looking down the future as to what is this, what does this tax picture look like? two years down the road, five years, 10 years. And sometimes that helps decide for our financial advisors, what are we going to be, you know, how are we going to be structuring our clients and buying for them? If somebody came to you and you could direct them to a fiduciary type of a financial advisor, or do you know ahead of time, like if you just opened up the phone book, would you know if this person was fiduciary based? You don't know often looking in the phone book. Um, I, I know that a lot of our public practitioners, and even myself when I was in public practice, we always had several that we worked with that, that we knew and trusted, you know, because trust is a big part of this. You've got to be able, you know, as a CPA, we're a trusted advisor, our financial advisors. I mean, we have people's money in the palm of our hands. And so it's a, it's a relationship. And, and, you know, one financial advisor might work for one client, but maybe not for another. So oftentimes we have many, we, we have, we work with many and try to suit up to our clients who we think will work best, but ultimately the client is responsible for who they choose. Adam, if I just walked into your office, how could I spot that you are a fiduciary and you have my best interests at heart as well as your own? Versus well, if I knew you were coming another, I'd have a T-shirt that says on, "Hey, I'm a fiduciary." No, um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I think it's just doing some research into the firm. I mean, we're in day and age with the internet. You know, you've got a walk-in encyclopedia just at the palm of your hand. So, I, I think it's, it, it's asking questions. Are you a fiduciary? Are you the acronym in the industry is an RIA, which stands for Registered Investment Advisory Firm. That right there in itself, that type of firm, which our firm is, is a fiduciary by definition. And so it's just asking, are you commission-based? Are you fee-based? It, it's And Susan said it perfectly. There's going to be certain personalities that really resonate with certain people and others that don't. I mean, you can list all of the the credentials and, you know, on paper it might look amazing, but, you you know, a potential client could walk into the to room to meet them and it's like they're just, you know, it's like trying to mix 
oil and water. There's just even personalities don't match. So I think you need to make sure that you're, again, from a, you want to work with a fiduciary, you want to work with, you know, a competent firm that's got reputation that has, you know, good reviews and so forth. And that there's also a, a match with personalities. That's, that's critical. Okay. So for somebody who is, whether they're just starting out or maybe they're getting toward retirement and maybe they're going to roll over the 401k to an IRA, what are the last bits of advice you can give for anybody on either end of the spectrum? I think do your homework. I mean, statistically, studies, they show that people spend more time planning for a vacation than they do for retirement. And I think it's, such, it's a huge decision to make, especially we work with a lot of clients that have spent their entire life saving. In some cases, work, you don't see it as often, but still some people that work at companies for 30, 40 plus years and have a tremendous amount of wealth. They, they know the company intimately and then all of a sudden they leave and it's like now they're going to take their money that they're, you know, they know so well that they've been directing on their own to go work with somebody else. It's a big decision, let alone then also relying on a firm and to help them, you know, take money out in the distribution. I mean, putting money aside, putting money away is one thing, taking money out is a whole nother animal. And so I think it's just doing your homework and, and interviewing different people and, you know, asking friends and family and people that you, you trust that have worked with somebody. I, th I think, again, we all want to work with somebody we know and someone we trust and, and people that are close to us that might have similar financial experiences and or assets. Those are and that are having positive experiences. I would start there and then just, you know, Google firms and look and and research stuff. But I would I'd always interview a couple of different people. Um, just had a client in here recently that I was the third option that they'd looked at, right? And we were fortunate enough to, to, to get their business, but the, she said it came down to, you know, the other firms they're looking at, we kind of did the same, a lot of the same things, but it was a personality thing for them, right? And I guess you don't know that until you had a chance to, right. to talk to different people. Susan, any last words as we wrap up? I would agree with that. At the end of the day, as individuals, we're responsible for our own financial welfare, and so take the time, do your research, do your homework, um, and, and interview. You know, if you don't trust that person or if you don't have that good, warm, fuzzy, probably not the right person. And, be, and, and have your goals in mind. I mean, oftentimes, you know, a client will come in and they kind of want us as CPAs or the financial advisor to solve it for them. But give us a little bit of a roadmap, you know, I mean, so that so that we can kind of get to know you, too, because at the end of the day, you're interviewing us. So we're also interviewing you to see if you're a good fit for our organization. Ooh. Exactly. The shoes on the other foot. OK. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Susan Spears. Again, you are the CEO of UACPA. And Adam Nugent, an accredited investment fiduciary, which is a new term I learned. And you're also the founder and CEO of Foresight Wealth. And what I learned is to look for somebody who may be an AIF and also the company being a registered investment advisory. So thank you so much for joining me and helping us walk through a little bit more complex information on 401ks and IRAs. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.